We are oh so close to seeing the first actual football being played by the 2021 Bengals. That's coming this weekend. I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, joined by John Sharon. John, three consecutive Wednesdays with some very, very special guests. Pretty stoked about that. We've got a special one again tonight. I know we're I know you're excited about it. I'm excited about it. And thank you for setting it up. Yeah, so in case anyone is unaware, we have the one and only ESPN's Ben Baby coming on in a couple minutes. He's running a couple minutes late, but we're going to talk to him about his personal perspective on how training camp for the Bengals is going, everything that's going on with that. And yeah, it's going to be like the third or fourth time we've had Ben on in the last couple of years. But I think this is like his now he's been in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky for two years now. So he's well He's well absorbed in, in the Bengals um, beat community and I guess Cincinnati community in general. So, yeah, he's going to be joining us in just a couple minutes. So we're, we're excited to have him on. He's, he's been awesome with us because it seems like he comes on once or twice a year and it's always like right at the beginning of the season, it seems like, which is cool. And it's a good, um, it's, it's a great guest to have. He's going to break down all the sights and sounds from training camp, his observations. We've got a lot to ask him uh, on a number of different fronts. So excited to have him with us and, uh, We've got a little more. We've got a soundbite of the week this week. It's been a little while since we call it of the week, and it's been like months since we've had a soundbite. But we've got a soundbite of the week. We've got a a position group to talk about. We've got a breakout player to talk about. So we're going to get to all of that uh, after we talk with Ben Baby for a little while here. want to make sure everybody also is still aware that we have our charity fest our fundraising opportunity still active john we got a couple more donations this week we're up uh just under 1250 bucks which is awesome still a bit short of our lofty goal we want to get to we'd love to get that goal and reach it exceed it but um we we want to get there i put the link to the gofundme in the live chats there if you haven't had a chance yet please donate these proceeds all go evenly distributed to the Munoz Foundation, the Ken Anderson Alliance, and the Ken Riley Foundation, John. So, uh, but but you know we're we're at almost twelve hundred fifty bucks, pretty pretty solid there. Yeah, a total of thirty donors slash donations, and big shout outs to both Adam Simmons and Gavin Donnelly were the two most recent donations, primarily because we were stuck at eleven hundred and ninety nine dollars. No one really wants to end the fundraiser on that, so mm-hmm. got it up to a nice twelve forty five right now, but. Yeah, I think we're going to keep it open for a couple more days up until the first preseason game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. We're going to do a final tally later later in the week, and I believe we're going to start maybe dishing out some prizes to the, to the fine people who donated. Yeah, we've got some good prizes. Bangers, bangles, bangles memorabilia. Bangers. bangers, yeah. We got some bangers. We do have some bangers. Uh, bangles memorabilia, Ken Anderson Alliance swag. Uh, some Cincy Jungle stuff, maybe some stuff from the show, but uh, we want. There's actually going to be quite a few people that'll be receiving some gifts, so um, please get your donations in. We don't like to hit people up for money. We don't ask for for donations to the show or anything like that. These donations are for other causes. So um, please, 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 as a as a measure, if you have not yet, as a measure to not only help the great causes. From, from these foundations. If you also want to say thank you and congratulations to Anthony Munoz, Ken Riley, and his family, and Ken Anderson for being in the inaugural Ring of Honor class, this is a cool way to do that. Uh, we're going to be joined by ESPN's Ben Baby in just a couple minutes here. Uh, 
I'm I'm eager to talk about a lot of things with him, John. Um, you know, it's a it's an odd time with training camp because there are some other things off the field that are. I don't know if I don't know. I don't like to use the word panic at this point in time, but there's some off the field things that are causing a little bit of a stir as much as some of the stuff we're seeing on the field. I think compared to around the league, like literally 30 something minutes before we took the air here, there was an official tweet from the Dallas Cowboys Twitter account. And I want to read it um, quote here. It says it is not a setback and it's not a reason to worry but QB Dak Prescott is planning on gaining another MRI. Like the fact (laughs) I've never seen an official team account, like tweet something like that. I don't know why they would even touch it in the first place. Unless Jerry Jones thought it was a good idea to take the phone from whoever handles social media and just do it and see what happens. But like, I, I just think compared to what this time of year usually is for Bengals fans and what a lot of other teams, the chaos that they're, undergoing right now i honestly think in comparison relative wise nothing's really happening with the Bengals, and i think that's something to kind of cherish and not really overanalyze too much quarterbacks in texas are not having the greatest spring summer whatever you that's there's been some stuff with prescott and um you know there's just injury stuff and some question marks there i saw that the houston texans have deshaun watson as their fourth quarterback on their (laughs) at this point in time with everything going on there so look I mean I know there's some panic about Joe Burrow there's been some improvement on a lot of fronts and a lot of talking points from Joe Burrow his performance in training camp and all of that but the fact that he is coming back he is seemingly ready to go and in week one and um you know I know there's going to be some struggles we'll talk about that through this show and also with Ben Baby but you know, I mean, <laughs> things could be a lot worse. We The Bengals could be in a lot worse situations right now, especially as it goes with the quarterbacks. I mean, we, we just had, I say we, the royal we, just had a freakout session about the first depth chart, and there's literally a depth chart that says Deshaun Watson is, is a team's fourth-string quarterback. The Houston Texans play an actual football game tomorrow. There's no way they're trotting out Tyrod Taylor over Deshaun Watson, right? Like, that's that's kind of still tells you everything you need to know about how much these depth charts actually mean at this juncture in early August. Absolutely. And thank you to Stuart Monty, by the way, side note, he just donated there. Uh, I just donated anything help guys. Thanks for this charity drive. Um, Don't be as stingy as our team. Oh boy. Um, So thank you, Stuart. Appreciate it. And we do see your name quite often in our live chats. Thank you for joining us and thank you for your donation there. Appreciate that. Um, gets gets us up a, a bit further and a bit closer to our goal appreciate that Stuart. um yeah so i you it, kind of a quick little plug john and i were uh pleased enough to be invited on uh cincinnati sports with strawberry ice this week john made his appearance on monday that was a great show john i watched that uh i was on earlier today on wednesday one of the talking points that the host jeff trenopol brought up to uh to me here was the Joe Burrow to play or not to play? I guess while we're waiting for Ben Baby here to come in just a minute here, um, you know, Joe Burrow playing in preseason or not playing in preseason, there seems to be a talking point. I said I found a, at least a little bit of logic in either approach, quite honestly. There's the old school approach of, hey, 
maybe feel that pressure, run around a little bit, get used to the game speed, all of that. My other counter argument to that was, of course, you don't want to have Joe Burrow get injured in any capacity. Um, you know, it's, 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 he's doing enough in practice and all that kind of stuff. And really, um, there aren't a lot of new faces on offense that, I mean, he's still got Tyler Boyd. He's got T Higgins, who he worked with last year. Quentin Spain was in there for a few games with him last year. Jonah Williams, Trey Hopkins is in there. Riley Reef's really a new face. And of course, Jamar Chase is a new face, but he's got a lot of familiarity with all of those players. And oh, by the way, he played with Jamar Chase in college. So, I mean, there's a little bit of lo- logic with both. I don't know where you sit on that, but uh, I think it's a good talking point while we wait for Ben to show up here. The problem is there's no way to regulate it. There's no way, not, I guess regulate's not the right word. There's no way to control it. It's it's throwing him out to an, an unpredictable environment where literally anything could happen. Like he could trip over his own teammate's foot and do something with his other foot. Like, I mean, there's a reason why quarterbacks just rarely play in the preseason in general. And I was, I had this conversation with like Owen Reese, who is, is a good friend of mine on, on football Twitter a couple months ago. And he was expressing his displeasure with the NFL going down from four preseason games to three preseason games. And obviously everything that's happened in recent years in terms of the, the decrease in, in contact and practices and obviously going away from two days where it's like, yeah, you're, you're limiting the amount of contact and the opportunities where certain players can get injured, but also, you're, you're kind of decreasing their preparation to experience that full contact when the regular season comes. And that can almost attribute to maybe an increase in injuries, but that is for all the other positions aside from quarterback, there's never a situation where you want to increase the risk of your quarterback getting hurt. And the only, you know, reasonable or the only logical like positive that you're expecting from this is to get him more experience with the offense and generate more chemistry with his receivers and, and whatnot. And I, and I understand that, but I think you just have to play the risk and reward type of situations. What is the reward of throwing Burrow out for a couple of series? Like how how much chemistry can they establish with the offense with just maybe one or two series out there in three meaningless exhibition games compared to the to the risk of not necessarily re-injuring that that a surgery group repaired knee, but also another injury as well. Like right now, Burrow is fully cleared. There's no real like tangible risk of him re-injuring, re-tearing that knee, like enough time has passed where that worry is, is probably off the table. It's really just a matter of keeping him hundred percent healthy from any other ailments that he could possibly suffer. But I, th- I think the optics of him coming off of the injury kind of increase to the sentiment of keeping him off the field, but it, it doesn't seem like the reward is greater enough to, to warrant the risk of throwing him out there again. Yeah. One thing uh, that I, that I brought up was a little bit of the, remember, God, I I lose track of time. I can't. I guess it would have been 2019. The Rodney Anderson uh, injury. You know, he was a guy that was showing a lot of promise and a lot of uh, good things in camp. You know, he was he was playing well, and and you thought he may carve out a nice role for himself. Gets hurt in a useless preseason game and is basically out of football now. Um, you'd hate to see something like that. Obviously, much different position. Um, so there's there's scenarios like that, but there's also the scenario. I don't know how much you believe this or not. I kind of threw this one out there. Um, it was basically the fact that, that I, there may be a little bit of a gentleman's rule in preseason ball with, with if you're, if you're Joe Burrow going up against some starters, if these edge guys end up getting a clean shot, will they absolutely shellac him in a preseason game? If that opportunity arises, I don't see that occurring. Maybe there's a little bit of a gentleman's rule. Maybe I'm reaching on that. I don't know what you think about that before we bring Ben baby in. Well, I think for sure that Joe has 
earn the respect of basically everyone around the league where there's there should be like an an unwritten i guess rule to say like hey this guy is not worth you know taking a cheap shot on he's done nothing but you know earn the respect of a lot of his peers in the league you can just look at what the Philadelphia Eagles said about him back in week three last year, where they just kept hitting him and he just kept getting back up. And they're like, damn, this dude's pretty tough. And that was his third ever game in, in the regular season. So a year has passed now. He's come back from this terrible injury in such a quick time. And I think that's only added to the persona and the legend, I guess, of what Joe Burrow is. So I, I definitely don't think that there's a worry that some team is going to take a cheap shot just for the sake of injuring this, this young quarterback on, a, on another team. But I guess that that's also like the other reason of why it would make sense to give him some exposure just so he has that added exposure of, you know, reacclimating himself into feeling pressure and to feeling an actual pocket where it's not just your teammates uh, coming at you, knowing that they can't actually hit you. Like just feeling that for the first time in nine months, I guess having that in your back pocket before you actually go out there and do it for real that that is a benefit, but again, it's the risk and reward, and I, I just I'm just not sure that the reward is big enough. I, I think a lot of people with it would agree with you, and we'll be hearing from Joe Burrow in our soundbite of the week in just a second. But John, I'm going to give you the honors to introduce our very special guest here. Uh, he is joining us, so John, take take the reins, my friend. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so for I, I want to get the official count here. I believe this is the fourth time that we've had the special guest on. He is... Proudly Texan, he comes via of ESPN, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ben Baby. Ben, how are you? I'm okay. Sorry for running late, y'all. It's been a very uh, hectic day, as you can tell. I'm a very disheveled, uh, my background's very disheveled, uh, which <laughs> describes my state. Uh, it's been a very hectic eating, but I'm very glad to be on with y'all. It's always a pleasure. Well, good. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, go ahead, John. No, it's, it's awesome to, to get you back, Ben. Obviously, we understand it's a busy time out there in, in, in Cincinnati and training camp right now. I believe like Cat Terrell of, of The Athletic was saying, did I forget to eat breakfast or lunch? Like how how's the, how's the camp grind been now uh, two weeks into it? Honestly, this has probably been – there have been some stuff that we won't really get into, but uh, this has been the best camp. I think I feel the most situated uh, so far in, in camp. I, I, I feel like, you know, in 2019 – was really trying to get a feel of what an NFL training camp looked like. You know, it's not something that we really dealt with uh, a lot in 2020. Obviously, it was so tough because of all the COVID restrictions. And this year, I feel like you can kind of move around a little bit. You can really see see people. And, and you can still talk to guys. You can grab guys coming off the field, so to speak. So uh, this is the best. Personally, I felt like this is the best camp that I, I've had so far. So it's been, it's been really good. It's been busy, uh, but it's been good. Well, you're doing an excellent job covering the team as always. We just did a, another episode yesterday, our water cooler chat. And usually, you know, what we do is we update our, our listeners and whatnot with some of the sights and sounds from camp. And I bounce around from yourself and Lindsey Patterson and James Rapine and all the great folks there. I basically just stuck on your Twitter account yesterday and was like, just go, just go read Ben Baby's timeline because he was just going, you were going through all kinds of different plays and all kinds of different things, which was awesome. So appreciate the awesome coverage that you've been bringing all of us, I guess. 
where I just kind of want to start as a, as a general question for you. The fan base is really optimistic about 2021. The national media, maybe not so much. What's it like within the, the field and the, within the team in terms of optimism? It seems like there's a quiet confidence a little bit among that, among that team, but maybe you can fill us in a little bit closer on that. Yeah, you know, I thought what, what Joe Burrow told the NFL Network today was really telling. And he says, you know, there's really no moral victories here. And I think Joe is ready. And this team is ready, quite honestly, to, to get some wins. And there's a there's a very solid understanding that, you know, the, this rebuild process or, or this era of kind of having all these losses stack up uh, should be over. And, and this should be a team that I, I've maintained, you know, I saw the Vegas over under, I think it was about six and a half at one point in the off season, which is incredibly low. I think if the Bengals are anywhere near that uh, you know, you're looking at some big long-term questions about the future of this franchise. I, I think this should be a team that hovers around the 500 mark. And realistically, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they compete for a playoff berth. You, you think about it, you know, in the NFL, you really should be competitive, like, you know, chasing a playoff berth every four years. Uh, theoretically, like you, you shouldn't be losing for that long of a time. And I think when you look at how the Bengals have drafted uh, the money that's been spent, uh, Elizabeth Blackburn, I, I thought was a very, very telling when she talked to the uh, the Bengals UK the uh, podcast out there and to those folks, and they do a great job as well as do so many people now uh, covering the Bengals in, in kind of a new space that really wasn't existing ten years ago, and y'all are are part of that as well. Uh, you know, I, I think it was interesting that she said that the expectations are high that, you know, she pointed out that, you know, that the team has really overhauled the roster. A lot of money's been spent. And for me, it means that, you know, all eyes are going to be on Zach Taylor and this staff. And if everyone stays healthy to see what they can do this year. Speaking of everyone staying healthy, I think that's been kind of a change of pace compared to recent years. There, I mean, some wood I'm knocking on. There hasn't really been any major injuries news that come that have has come out of camp so far. There's been a couple of guys who have been sidelined for limited periods of time. Can you give us like a quick update on who is still working on the rehab field? I believe Fred Johnson just came back to work today, but is there anyone on the team right now who's still kind of working back from injury? And can you give us just any updates based off what you, what you have seen? Yeah, I think today we saw Eli Apple still working out there and he's probably the most Enrico Allen, uh, you know, the, the safety they signed in the off season and out Eli Apple, uh, who's a, a cornerback who was, I believe, most recently with the Panthers, uh, has bounced around a little bit, former first-round pick. Uh, those are the two big guys off the top of my head that I can think of. You know, obviously Larry Ogunjobi's back, and we've quickly realized he's back. The last couple of days, he's just been phenomenal on the inside. And then, you know, Fred Johnson coming back is also significant, uh, takes some pressure off of the uh, the backup tackles there. And, and really, I think Isaiah Prince would probably be right there uh, now that they moved Deontay Smith, the rookie, inside. So, you know, I think, you know, Eli Apple has been pleasantly surprising uh, what he's been able to do and how he's kind of been that second outside corner now, uh, you know, with the twos and then Rico Allen, who I didn't really think I was kind of skeptical as to if he was going to make the 53 man roster. I think I initially had Kayvon Frazier uh, and quickly realized that, you know, Rico Allen, I think will be uh, that guy uh, and be someone who makes the 53. So, you know, I, those are the, you know, these last couple of years, we've been used to there being significant injuries right now and knock on wood, but so far the Bengals don't really have that. So hopefully I don't put a jinx on them uh, tomorrow, but uh, uh, you know, we'll see, but so far I think they've been relatively healthy. Talking with Ben baby of ESPN covers the Cincinnati Bengals does an awesome job for it. Thanks for coming on our show again, Ben. You've always been so kind to us. Um, I, you know, I guess that 
the the talking point, the big talking point, offensive line. We you you mentioned a couple of names there. John mentioned some names in in his question to you there. We had Anthony Munoz on our show last week. We asked him about the offensive line. He was optimistic. He's been at camp, but uh, you know, you you are a very un, unbiased eye when you when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's why it was a little surprising when you said this team should maybe be five hundred ish or vie for a playoff spot. But uh, I, I guess. What's that been looking like, the offensive line? It sounds like there's some ups and downs. There's a little bit bit of a merry-go-round at right guard. Um, I don't know. Uh, is there at least marginal improvement that we can see over the past couple of, of training camps? I'm figuring I'm figuring out the best way to be nice and, and go through this. Um, now, I, when I say that the op, that there is optimism or, you know, that the expectation is that they should be around 500, that's, you know, that's where they should be at this point. Yeah. That's like, you know, whether they hit that or not, it's another story. Right. The offensive line. Oh, let's let's see. They have not looked good. I think that is the best way to say this. And anybody saying otherwise is lying. Uh, the offensive line is very problematic, and there's really no other way to sugarcoat this. Uh, there's this is it's a problem. Uh, you know, I, I I really feel like it feels a little much. But like today, you know, the offensive line struggled at times. You know, Ogan Joby, you know, going through the middle again. Uh, I thought the ends have been really uh, – they've looked really good, and I don't really know if they're – like not to knock Sam Hubbard and Trent Hendrickson, but they're they're playing like all pro guys right now. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that is, you know, the offensive line is trying to find its footing. You know, Riley Reef kind of, you know, finding an adjustment and what's going on with the guard rotation as well. All of that being said, I will throw in all the caveats of it's still early in camp. We, we You know, I think – there is something to be said for this unit has to maybe once they figure out who that starting five is, uh, you know, maybe give them a couple weeks to gel. But the fact that we don't really know what this guard situation is going to look like, I think Riley Reef, uh, you know, has had some moments where he struggled at times these last couple of days, especially. And maybe it's because they've struggled so much the last couple of days, especially uh, that it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic about what this line's going to look like, but mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it is you know I think there's a lot of room for improvement, uh, especially throwing what's going on with with Jackson Carmen, and 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 so there's a lot that needs to be figured out and figured out quickly because, you know I'm looking at it right now and going well what exactly did the Bengals do this offseason? We heard about all the improvements that were going to be made. Well, a lot of that was that you know Jackson Carmen was going to come in and be a starter. That Riley Reef was going to be a big upgrade at right tackle. That Frank Pollock was going to be you know was really boost the confidence of everybody in the interior line. And oh, you know we're going to maybe get Jesse Bates to an extension. Now the Bates extension doesn't seem to be apparent. You know according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, uh, and it you know it would make sense that that Bates would play on the franchise tag. So really, what you've done this offseason is starting to look worse and worse as we go into camp, and it's up to the offensive line in that whole unit to prove otherwise. But so far, I think they're, from what we've seen, now I'm no offensive line expert and very few people really are, if we're going to be quite honest. Um, and, you know, if Anthony Munoz is, is feeling good about it, you know, who am I to, who am I to disagree with the only, only Hall of Famer uh, that the Bengals have produced. But uh, I, I would think that most media people would tend to agree that there, there are some issues and some concerns on that unit. So if the offensive line hasn't really played particularly better compared to the beginning of camp, even now with you have Michael Jordan in there with with the starters at right guard, what has really boosted the offense, I guess, in the last couple of practices? Because we're hearing that they're moving the ball better in, in the 11-11 drills. They're getting into the end zone for the first time, which didn't happen at all in the first week. What have you seen that has, has made the offense be more productive against the defense that was apparently looking like the 85 Bears in the first week? Uh, do you want me to be honest? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, they're not blowing plays dead. I mean, that's it. I mean, they, they're letting they're letting plays go that should be sacks. Uh, like yesterday, there was a lot of talk about the offense and depending on – I think it's important where you get your information from. Uh, but me and, and Charlie Goldsmith, a.k.a. Charlie G, the prodigy over at the Inquirer, uh, we looked at each other and we go, uh, how many plays would you have called sacks? And we go, about three or four at least on that drive. And oh today, God. you know, there was a lot of talk about uh, – there's a lot of talk about uh, that one drive that Bengals had to move the ball drill. Well, I had Logan Wilson tagging Joe Burrow, uh, you know, Logan Wilson tagging a play dead, and I think it's a sack. Um, and that, that that kills the drive, and they don't end up finishing the drive. And I think it ended up being a quote-unquote successful drive. Uh, but I would think in, like, you see plays where Sam Hubbard is, you know, there was a rep yesterday, I have to go back and check my notes, where Sam Hubbard would have had a sack easily, but he pulled up and kind of let they let the play run. And I think it ended up being – a 15 yard, I think it ended up being a completion to Boyd down the middle for 15, which was probably the best completion of the drive. But Hubbard legitimately pulled up, and he, if he kept going, he drives his man into Burrow and gets a sack. And so that's why it's tough for me to look at the offense. Like I was looking at Tony Pike yesterday, and we were like, did we see the same things? Because we both kind of thought the offense didn't look that great. Now the big difference is that Joe Burrow is looking much more comfortable, um, and that's probably the best thing that the offense has had the last couple of days is that, you know, I think that Burrow is starting to kind of find himself a little bit more, and he kind of talked about that with NFL Network today as well. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's the difference is why the drives are moving is kind of they're letting plays go that I necessarily, you know, if it's me, I'm like, that's a sack. You know, we're, we're stopping this play that, that, you know, we shouldn't let this run. And they're letting some of that run out maybe to kind of give Burrow that chemistry. That's something I want to ask Zach about because it clearly should be defensive stops, but they're letting some things run. So, uh, that's why the offense has looked better the last couple of days. Well, we want to get to some of the bright spots as well, but I guess I just, and not to keep harping on the offensive line, but it is the major question really with the team this year. And uh, I guess my question would be, you know, is it, and I don't want to point anybody out individually or anything, but is it kind of usual suspects that, are, or is it all across the board? Is it, I, I mean, I guess I'm just at a little bit of a loss here at, uh, you know, I thought, I, I think, I guess I kind of figured there would be some, some noting of marginal improvement, but it sounds a lot of the same, to be quite honest with you, of what we've seen for the past two, three plus years. Um, and is it, how much do you pin that up to the, the rotation, them kind of moving guys in and out of the starting reps? Yeah, you know, here's my thing. We all like to bag on Jim Turner plenty, and I have, you know, watched Jim Turner for several years now. Yeah. And one of my biggest gripes with Turner was that, you know, I thought he tinkered with the offensive line way too late in the training camp and didn't really give that first five that, that stability that they need. I thought sometimes he was a little bit too rotational with his units and they weren't able to kind of build that chemistry up. And this year under Frank Pollock, you know, we kind of have it, but I think for different reasons. I think legitimately they don't know it's not just tinkering for tinkering's sake. I think there's a legitimate question mark as to what's going on with the guards, and they're trying to find a guard situation that works. And Trey Hopkins still is trying to work his way back in. I think we marveled at – and the same thing happened with Burrow, is that we marvel with how quickly they were able to get back, but we have to realize that there is an acclimation period into getting these guys back into the mix. So we haven't really seen what the unit looks like consistently with Trey Hopkins is in there, uh, what, the, what, what the starting guards are going to be in there. And I think that's the caveat to all of the offensive line. And I hate to just come on and doom and gloom, but you know, it's, it's the fact of the matter is I think that's part of what you're talking about, Anthony, is that, you know, we haven't really seen what that full unit is going to look like. 
We don't know who those starting guards are going to be. We don't know uh, what they're all going to look like together with Trey in there, with Riley maybe a little more um, solid footing underneath him. And then I think we can make an accurate, you know, portrayal or depiction of what this offensive line is going to look like. But by and large, like right now, because of all these unknowns, uh, we just have to evaluate on what we've seen. And so far, I mean, just from a from a unbiased and, you know, I don't really know. If, like I said, I don't know if any of us really know what an offensive line should look like. But from what I've seen, uh, we've seen the defense win a lot of reps and we've seen a lot of plays that should get blown dead. So just because this this question probably has nothing to do with the offensive line, two weeks in, we've heard a lot of, of hype about um, select players on both sides of the ball. Give us your three players that have really stood out to you that have made like the most improvement based on wh- what you thought of them last year compared to where, where they look like right now. That's, that's actually, that's a pretty tough. Um, give, give me a, give me a unit. Like give me, cause I, I'm, there's so many guys when you think through and it's so hard to be like, okay, I like this guy, I like that guy. I have them off the, like, give me a unit and I can probably tell you who, who I like in that unit. That might well, be sure. Good. Like, there's, there's hide about the secondary right now. There's plenty of names that, that we can talk about. Okay. Right so, like, Shinabari Wuzier, I thought, I thought he has looked good. I know that T. Higgins broke him off uh, yesterday and that went viral. I feel bad for, for Shinobe because he's had uh, such good camp and then he goes viral because T. Higgins <laughs> breaks him off at a double move. Uh, but I thought he's looked good. Trey Waynes has done a pretty good job. I think that he's given Jamar Chase fits and that's been a really good acclimation period for him. Uh, for Chase and coming to the NFL to have to go up against a guy like Waynes in practice um, because Waynes has gotten the better of Jamar uh, a good amount. Uh, I think that, you know, Marcus Bailey's a guy who's played pretty well. I thought Logan Wilson, that stop he had today on that drive, he's obviously not going to get credited for it, but I thought he's played well. Um, Cam Sample is a guy who I think has come on now that he's been healthy. Uh, him and Osai, I think, are going to be really fascinating guys. And um, Osai did get stood up today by Jonah Williams. I thought Jonah had did a really good job in stonewalling him in one-on-ones. Uh, but I think that, you know, Camp Sample is also going to give them some some position versatility and maybe play it at three-tech. Um, I know Duke kind of referenced that uh, in his interview with, with Dan Horde and Dave Lapham. And we saw that at practice, you know, yesterday is that, you know, Camp Sample coming in and playing some three-tech, uh, the traditional defensive tackle, uh, maybe in some third down pressure situations, and that's intriguing. And you know, I, you know, Trey Hendrickson and, and Sam Hubbard have been a pleasant surprise as well. And I think that's maybe because of where I have the bar for both of them respectively. But I thought they both have been uh, disruptive. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that all these people are naming are on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's that's who's played well. And then you know, I think uh, Travion. I think the running backs as a whole have all looked really good. Uh, Travion Williams, I thought his back was uh, against the wall coming into this, especially when you look at what they did in the draft and a lot of hype about Chris Evans. Uh, but Travion, I think, has really answered the bell pretty well, and he's had a pretty strong camp. Chris Evans had a really good catch today and seems to be coming along pretty well. And I think we all know who those running backs are going to be, um, you know, if they're going to bring four on the camp. But otherwise, you know, that, that's kind of who stuck out. And, and Deontay Smith, I have to give him credit because he just got completely roasted for an entire day by Sam Hubbard at right tackle. Like, you know, I, I felt kind of bad for him. He just was completely bamboozled the entire day. And all he did was turn around and they said, all right, now we want to go try you out at guard. And he handled, he's handled that really well. Like it's easy for a rookie to get down. And I cannot really, like it's, he looked awful that day at right tackle. Just didn't know. Like it was just, and I felt bad because it was his first day, like really at that position. And then you're going up against Sam Hubbard who just got his $40 million extension and, and Smith for him to come back and really be a pro at guard. And I think that's why Zach, uh, you know, Taylor, you know, I feel 
it's sorry the side note you know when i'm doing other like non-local media i always have to explain like zach taylor's the Bengals coach or whatever and I, <laughs> I was like, like oh zach taylor the Bengals coach i'm like wait everybody here knows zach's the coach <laughs> uh, but i thought that zach you know going and praising deontay said volumes about what they think of him and so you know he's another guy who's really you know you know went up there and, and done well i think a lot of these mid-round guys for the most part have had pretty decent camps and like Josh Tupau has looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, Larry Ogunjobi has been he's been a, just a, a killer on the inside. I was like, oh my goodness, um, I guess this is what you know you 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 would think. I mean, he's blowing different dudes up uh, on multiple days. But that's who I know. I just you know struggled to find names and just names about like fifty. But that's who that has been impressive so far. Well, we we needed some positivity after that offensive line talk there, Ben. Talking with Ben Baby of ESPN. Uh, hopefully, you're still okay on time. If you want to, if you're able to spend, yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate your time coming on the show. Look, um, I, I, we talked just kind of transitioning back to offense. I know the defenses looked pretty good. Transitioning back to offense, the wide receiver group reportedly has looked pretty good. Jamar Chase has had some ups and downs. T. Higgins looks like. He's transformed himself into a, a, you know, taking his career to the next level. Uh, heard some good things about Auden Tate. I guess my question is, how has that group looked? And then that talent, the running backs that you said have looked good, how much do you believe that that whole stable, as well as Joe Burrow, can mask the deficiencies that we're seeing up front on the offensive line? Yeah, you know, I think that to an extent, I mean, the offensive line's got to be better. Basically, uh, the interior has to be significantly better. Like Burrow's got to be feel like he's got a pocket he can step up in. Um, and like when we when we when he's had that time, when he's had that comfort, we know what he can do. Uh, but that unit, like the the bet that they're making is that you know running a lot of quick game, running a lot of tempo, and getting the ball out quickly is going to benefit this offense more than having you know we're going to always go back to that Penae Sewell versus Jamar Chase discussion. And it will, it, you know, the, the argument and the philosophy now we've seen is that getting the ball out quickly will benefit them moving forward. And so I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, what we saw in the first, you know, six, seven weeks, and especially right before Burrow got hurt is what this offense is going to look like. Uh, you're going to see a team that runs a lot of empty. You're going to see, I think Joe Mixon's going to be used heavy in the pass game this year. I think that's going to be something where you're going to see him out wide a ton uh, based on what we've seen in the offseason. And, and I think that you're going to need this offense to go out and score a ton of points. And I, I think ideally the way you would want this team to win games is you'd want them to, to get hot early, score a lot of, you know, use the passing uh, attack to really kind of build up a nice lead. And in the second half, you want to kind of burn the game out with Joe Mixon and let your defense catch a breather and kind of really control the clock in the second half. That way everybody's getting the touches they need. You're kind of using all of your resources as, as best as you can. I think that's the way for the Bengals to win games this year. And, you know, the question is going to be, you know, can this offense really click? Can they find that rhythm? And can they can they strike early and often? And I think that's going to be the key to this Bengals team really being successful this year. On the subject of Joe Mixon, definitely check out Ben's article, his latest article on ESPN.com, why Bengals Joe Mixon could be in line for his best season yet. Definitely check out all of Ben's work on ESPN.com and NFL Nation. Ben, we talked about, um, but before you came on, we talked about Joe Burrow potentially or probably not playing in the preseason. Um, just from your discussions and the entire Beats discussions with Zach Taylor and even Burrow himself, like it's, it's pretty pretty clear that the, the best guess is Burrow is not going to play at all in the preseason. But if he does play, do you think that is going to come potentially in games two or three, or it's just not even worth discussing? He's just not going to play at all. 
Yeah, you know, initially it was a very stone cold, like, yeah, he's not playing. It's not on the table. But, you know, after Zach, and I'll be in there tomorrow to ask Zach, and I wasn't when Zach was uh, when talked the other day, and when he said he's now playing against Tampa Bay. But as I was listening to it live, I thought it was weird that Zach kept saying week one over and over and over again. He said, Burrow will not play week one. He will not play week one. And the, with how many times Zach said it and the fact he said we have a plan for what we want them to do, I wonder if it hasn't softened. And I'm going to ask Zach this directly tomorrow and say, basically, given what Burrow has said repeatedly, that I would like these reps, the offense is saying, I would like at least a couple of drives so we can feel good about where we're at. And, and you know, I wonder if that plan isn't going to change. And you want to kind of make Burrow feel good. You want to, you know, I think a lot of this is you want him to have that confidence going into that, that opener. And I know that there's a big risk in having him get hurt in the preseason. Well, you know, does it make any difference? Let's be honest. Does it make any difference when he gets hurt, if he gets hurt again? If he gets hurt in week five or he gets hurt in, in week three, what, what are you, you going to say? You know, at, at some point he's going to get, if he's, if he's hurt, he's hurt. If he's fully mm-hmm. cleared, he's fully cleared. Like you can't, you can't wrap him in bubble wrap the whole time. And Zach kind of said that to a degree. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that, you know, I, I, I get the front office and you're going to, I, I wonder too, if some of it isn't, you know, if he gets hurt again in the preseason, there's going to be a ton of backlash that says, oh, how could you put this guy out there? You know, he just got hurt, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, what's the difference when he gets hurt, if he gets hurt, you know, like, I think it would be, um, if Burrow wants the reps and if he's going to feel comfortable going into week one, to be honest, I would rather have him get hit and see how he reacts in the preseason than, you know, in week one or week two uh, and get lit up for the first time when dudes are really coming to take your head off. And it's the first teamers. It's not guys in the back of the depth chart who are fighting for roster spots. Uh, I think that would be, you know, that would be the case. I think, and, and given the most recent comments from Zach, and we'll have to obviously reevaluate this tomorrow, it sounds like the door is open a little bit for maybe the possibility of Burrow playing a week three. Cause, and I think that makes a ton of sense. So we'll see how this continues to change and evolve, but it definitely sounds like there is some discussion uh, that could be happening given how, how often Zach repeated that Burrow exclusively wasn't going to play in this opener. I understand it. Uh, I am old enough to remember the 09 preseason when Carson Palmer was returning from injury and he, hurt his ankle in one of a, one of the preseason games right before that. So uh, I see both sides. That's kind of what we were talking about before you came on, Ben. Uh, I guess we, we got to get your, your read on the whole Jesse Bates situation. Um, you, you know, you, you kind of talked a little bit about a report by Jeremy Fowler, uh, one of your colleagues at ESPN. Do you think this deal ends up getting done? The Bengals love to get these summer deals done with their core players. Jesse Bates has been a major part of their marketing efforts, all of that. Obviously a fantastic player. Um, sounds like the sides are pretty far apart. My guess is with guaranteed money, all kinds of different things. But do you think this gets done this summer or does this bleed out until spring and then we're looking at a franchise tag situation? What's your gut telling you? Yeah, I, I think that the franchise tag makes the most sense. Uh, and I don't really know if that's a good thing either, uh, to be quite honest, because you know I, I, I think that Jesse Bates should be your number one priority. Like whatever Jesse Bates wants, you just give it to him. Um, that's a guy that you want um, as a like – he's the best player on the roster. I know Burrow's there, Mixon's there. Right now, Jesse Bates is your best player pound for pound on this roster, and it's not even close. This is a guy who should be pro bowler, should be an all-pro, and this is the cornerstone of the defense. I mean, the amount of things that he's been able to do and adapt to these last couple of years, even in 2019, like that's when I really knew that Bates was good 
because they basically said, Jesse, please just stop anybody back there. And Jesse more or less did it. And he did it without complaining. And I, I remember asking him, I said, dude, your PFF grade is terrible. And he's like, yeah, you know, I get that, but it's not always kind of the full picture. Um, and then it's funny when he has the best PFF grade, then the PFF grade matters. And that's usually how it works. Uh, but like, you know, he was basically just the, the, he was literal, the literal definition of a safety, like a safety valve. Like if all else fails, Jesse Bates will save us. And that's what he's been for this defense. And I understand wanting to get the deal done with Sam Hubbard. I understand that Jesse Bates might be pricey and could be paid like one of the top safeties in the league. But, you know, that's the that's the burden of having one of the best safeties in the league is that you got to pay him when his money is due. And I know that, you know, when you look at the financial aspect of it, the franchise tag for a safety really isn't that much comparatively uh, to other players. And if you're going to use the tag on anybody, it would make sense to use it on a guy like Jesse. But I'm thinking of long-term goodwill. You know, I want to, you want Jesse Bates to feel like he's got a future in this franchise and that he is this franchise cornerstone. And that, you know, and I, I don't think they should take for granted the fact that Jesse's a really good guy, uh, a guy who's really well-respected in the locker room and is a, a guy who didn't want to hold out, uh, you know, didn't, didn't have a hold in, so to speak. You know, I think the fact that he's went about this the right way shouldn't be held against him. Uh, and, you know, Jesse should get his money, to be quite honest. And I, I think that that deal has to get done. And like I said, the more and more stuff like this happens this offseason, you've really got to go back and look and say, well, what exactly did they do in the offseason that makes you feel good for 2022 and beyond? So uh, I think this is a deal that really should get done. But, uh, you know, based on what we what, what Jeremy's reported and, and kind of the comfort that we've gauged inside the building as well, right now I think the tag makes the most sense unless something really changes on either side. Jesse Bates, the water, the Whataburger of safeties, fair or not fair? Uh, yes, I would. Uh, it's tough. I mean, is he the best safety in the league? Is he just far and away better than all other options? I think that's what you're saying when you're comparing him to Whataburger. Uh, that's, that's, that's very high praise uh, for Jesse Bates. But he's definitely up there. He's, he's definitely like, if in, in the Whataburger menu, he's definitely an all-time favorite. I'll put it that way. Do you, have you had in and out uh, on the, I have. I have okay. a problem with In and Out. Like I, I will say, In and Out's <laughs> burger pound for like just the their their number one versus the Whataburger's number one. I know this is probably heretical in Texas, but I will say I will take the In and Out. Um, really? Okay. But where Whataburger is far superior, they've got a breakfast menu number one. They're open twenty four hours, and their menu is way larger. Like we can, it's that's no contest. I think it's always a. It's kind of a, everyone wants to do it because they're such regional chains, but I don't think there's a comparison because they're two different types of fast food burger places. Well, we've got a lot of Whataburger uh, talk in the in the live chat, so we had to get get your take on that a little bit. Before we get John out of here, Ben, I guess I just want to ask, I, I know John may have a question or two for you as well, but I, I want to ask you how important are results for this specific Bengal team in this specific preseason whether it's wins, losses, points scored, just just performance. Um, you know, I know we don't take a lot of stock in preseason games at this, uh, you know, overall, but I kind of feel like we need to be inspired uh, in some in some ways, especially with offensive line performance and whatnot. I don't know if you agree with me or not on that front, but uh, how, how important do you think overall performance, wins, losses are this preseason for this specific team? That's a good question. I haven't really considered that that much. I don't really think to be honest. I mean, I never really put a lot of stock in preseason. It's always just, you know, you get, get your guys the reps they need and you kind of figure out the battles. And 
And the reason why this preseason feels probably as like, you know, they didn't have one in 2020. In 2019, you really got a feel for what the team might look like under Taylor. But in year three, I don't really know how much the preseason matters. Uh, and the, the roster is almost set for the most part. There's like only like three or four positions that we're really going to argue about on the 53-man roster over who's getting what. But I really don't like, you know, outside of those handful of battles, we know who's pr- pretty much lining up anywhere. You know, there really isn't a lot of intrigue. And so I, I think that, you know, you want them to play well. You want guys to get some confidence in these games. You, like you said, you want to feel good moving forward. But, like, if your ones and twos play really well and your threes blow it in the fourth quarter, like, does that matter? No, right. not really. And if you're not getting tested either, like, say Miami doesn't put out their ones in that game and you put your ones out, well, how much stock do you put in? Is it better just to have them play against your ones? And is, are those results going to matter more? Like, so it's all very subjective as we get into all this. Uh, but, you know, you, you do want to build some confidence. You want to have some good things. You want the units, um, the, the objectives where you want them to improve. You want them to look like that. Uh, but all in all, I think it's all pretty subjective when you talk about the preseason. I'm not sure I have a better closing question than that. So, Ben, I just wanted to personally just say thanks for coming on again in terms of just, you know, members of the the Bengals media. You're definitely one of the coolest, definitely the most stylish. But thank you for always being open and honest with us and coming on again and talking some Bengals with us, man. Yeah, sorry for running late with y'all, but I always good chopping it up with y'all. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's cool and, and fascinating to see how this kind of Bengals media market keeps growing in so many different ways. So, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to come on and chat with y'all. I think y'all do a great job. I appreciate it, Ben. And I know this is a very busy time of year for you. And every this time every year, you seem to make time for us. Really, really appreciate it. Keep up the awesome work. We'd love to have you on. It's looking like I'm going to come out there week one, so I'll keep my eyes open for you and uh, give you a fist bump, maybe buy a beer or something. Maybe, maybe a burger. I don't know if it'll be a, a Whataburger. Obviously not in and out but uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled for you, man. Sounds good. Y'all take care. All right. Take it easy, Ben. Ben Baby of ESPN joining us. What a great guy. Love that guy. And, uh, you know, he keeps it real, John. I know we we like to think about the Bengals in a lot of different ways of roses and sunshine. And we love to cling to the positives that we hear in camp. But uh, it's not always it's not always that way. That's not that's not how that's not reality, I guess, in a lot of different ways. So um, I appreciate him keeping it real and keeping us grounded in a lot of different ways. He's Texas tough. I don't feel like you can cover football in Texas without being 100% objective all the time, or otherwise you'll just get eaten alive. So, I mean, we, every team I feel like needs a Ben Baby on there covering them. Yeah. And you know what? Just full disclosure in a previous podcast I was involved with and this one, um, ESPN, uh, Kat Terrell was, was very awesome with Cincy Jungle, but um, ESPN kind of has a little bit of a, um, you know, keep it within the ESPN network. And Ben has been very gracious with, um, not real. I, I don't know if that's changed, but I, he's been very gracious with us in particular. And, uh, I appreciate you coordinating his appearance with us, John. That was, that was great. I want to kind of continue on that with the soundbite of the week. We won't spend too much time on it because this has now kind of become a bit of a viral, uh, soundbite. And the sound you'll hear aside from Joe Burrow talking is probably the NFL network lawyers coming after us for, for playing this but uh we're gonna play it anyway this is the soundbite of the week joe burrow talking with some nfl network uh hosts and we'll talk a little bit about that and continue on with some other segments we've got 
Joe, I think we, we talked about it was great to have you back out here full go, you know, when training camp started, but the, the, men, the mental part of it, you know, with bodies flying around, you know, whether it be in team drills, do you feel like you're, you're kind of clearing that hurdle more and more each day? Yeah, you know, the first, you know, I, I didn't really expect it to be that way, but right. the first week it was, you know, there's a lot on my mind. It was tough to decipher. You know, I've always been pretty good in the pocket. It was tough to decipher, you know, who was who in the pocket, but then one day it just kind of clicked back. Um, and I'm feeling great back in the pocket now. No, no, no hesitation, nothing. You know, we're ready to go. Now they've been talking about the defense been getting after y'all a little bit. You know, and that's always, changed the last couple of days. All right, make sure you tell everybody that. But I, but I always tell people, I said, man, as an offense, man, early in training camp, we playing James. Yeah. Now we ain't got all our little tricky stuff in there. You know, we just lining up playing. You know, so these last couple of days, y'all got after it a little bit. Y'all putting in a little bit more, getting a little bit more tricky. Yeah. It's, it's just getting more stuff in the playbook, everyone getting more comfortable with the playbook. And, you know, at the beginning of training camp, you have third down periods, you know, first down periods, run periods, RPO periods. And now we're just going out there and calling the plays, kind of treating it like a scrimmage. So, you know, they don't really know what's coming. We don't know what's coming from them either. They're still making plays. We're, we're making plays as well. You know, I'm excited about the talent we have and the camaraderie we have in the locker room. So that's Joe Burrow talking with uh, James Jones and Rhett. I can't remember his last name of the end. Lewis. Lewis, thank you. Um, and he does, they, they both do a great job with the network. I just, his last name was escaping me for some reason. However, that was Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase also threw in some nuggets in that interview. The full interview can be found on NFL Network. They're going to re-air that tonight. And it's on all of the Bengals social media, so go check that out. Also, that clip has been put on our Cincy Jungle Instagram page, so you can check it out there. But uh, really, not not too much to 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 discuss. I, I mean, there is a lot to discuss, but not really. I mean, really, the, the two main things and the biggest one is Joe Burrow kind of admitting the first week was a little tough. There were some mental hurdles for him to overcome, and he has proclaimed that he has done that and is in the process of doing that and feels much more comfortable in the pocket on a lot of different things. So uh, your, your take on that, a little surprising that he was pretty forthright on that. I'm not sure if this is a hot take, but I honestly do wonder if Joe Burrow has ever stuttered in his life. Cause he just, he just said that so quickly, like it was on the script and he was an actor and he's just a one take God. Like I, <laughs> I don't know if he's ever stuttered a moment in his life. But I do, I think, appreciate, at least from my perspective as, as someone who covers the team, the, the honesty, I, I think, from the core of this group and even the guy next to him, Jamar Chase, when he talked, I think, to the media today, he said, like, honestly, the biggest adjustment has been, like, mental processing. I think he labeled it as quickness, not of the athleticism, but of the mind, like, just getting everything kind of going, getting the gears turning, I guess, after 18 months of rust kind of coming off of it. I think both these guys, you know, best friends, friends from college, they're both candid and honest about, you know, overcoming the early struggles now, but now kind of coming into their own. And and as Ben said, nothing nothing on the offense is perfect right now. There's still a lot to be figured out specifically up front and who knows how that's going to how that's going to go and turn out against another team that wants to take their head off, but I I do appreciate it, at, at least from this perspective the honesty also combined with a level of confidence and swagger it's it's like yeah we know what the problem is we know how to address it and it's our job to address it we're not hiding from it we're not proclaiming that it's not as bad as we think it is but you know when there's progress we're gonna we're gonna tell you there's progress i i appreciate his candor there and uh i mean again 
the Joe Burrow confidence, even admit, amidst all of the criticism of the offense, some questioning about his mental hurdles that he has to he has to clear. Not only did he say, hey, I, I'm, I've worked through a lot of this stuff already in the early portions of camp. The other part, John, the second part was, hey, we're catching up to the defense. And hey, the last few days have looked pretty good. I know Ben just now told us that that maybe because of some other things favoring the offense to make them you know, give them a little bit of a pat on the back type of thing. But there has been improvement regardless of of if they extend the whistle on some of these plays. Right. And who knows how much more rotation there's going to be on the offensive line. Like the fact that they're moving a rookie who barely played last year from his natural spot at, at tackle to inside at guard. Now he's ahead of the death chart compared to a guy who was drafted two hours earlier. There's a lot of uncertainty up front, and who knows how much that is going to handicap the overall progress that this offense makes. But I think the leadership's there, man. And I think that is probably an underrated aspect that maybe this team didn't really have in the last couple of years before Burrow arrived. And the fact that Burrow kind of took all of that on last year as as a very green rookie behind a terrible offensive line, it, it, it's, it's growing. And I believe that to be a vital aspect of, of riding this ship, even if all the personnel may not be perfect the way it is right now. He also just kind of commended everybody on offense for doing their job and, and improving over the past uh, past couple of days and, and throughout training camp. Uh, I, I can't say I blame him. I told John after last week's episode that, you know, I, I didn't want to seem like a total tool by saying this, but my, my injury that has been talked about way too much. I've been ba- a baby about this thing. Um, I, it, you know, when I've tried to work out other things and stuff, it gets in your head a little bit when, you yeah. know, I got to, I got to favor this. I got to make sure I don't want this injury on my other arm or my other, you know, whatever. Uh, at least for me, I know I'm about 15 years older than Joe Burrow is and, and he's in much better shape than I am. But the point kind of remains that, you know, I, this, this kind of stuff is, it, it's kind of just natural human emotion that you just, no matter how mentally strong you are, physically strong, whatever, this kind of stuff can get in your head a little bit. And Joe Burrow admitted as such in that interview and, and he's, has said that he's had to work through that. And it sounds like he's turning a corner, which is which is good. And we wanted to share that with the soundbite of the week. We've got just a little bit more time here. I don't think we'll be able to get to two of the segments, both segments that we wanted to get to. John, do you have a, you want to flip a coin and talk about either we've got a positional preview or a breakout player? Which one? Which one do you want to go to? Hmm. Let's let's go with a breakout because I believe that was that was your baby for this week. Okay, let's do it. We're gonna get to the uh, breakout player, a potential breakout player. We'll we'll get to that position group next time. Uh, but we're gonna go with a breakout player as we go through training camp and week one on the horizon here. The breakout player this week was not shown on that little clip there, if you're tuning into the video, that the breakout player, uh, and and this is going to be a little bit of a stretch here, I think, John. This is one I've just kind of been thinking about because I was a little – there was a, only a couple of surprises with the, with the depth chart that was released before the team's week one game against Tampa Bay. So – uh, you know, one of the things that st- that stuck out to me that was a bit surprising was the first team punt returner. 
And the first team punt returner was not Trent Taylor, a guy who has been impressing in camp and spring practices and mini camps and all of that. A guy Mm -hmm. who's having an inside track and a job with the 49ers before he landed in Cincinnati and had injuries and all that kind of stuff. Darius Phillips. And Darius Phillips is a guy who's been kind of – the team is – waffled around about his role with them he's been a starter he's been way down the pecking order of the depth chart he's kind of vaguely talked about his displeasure with some of the team's acquisitions at cornerback pushing him down the depth chart he now sits as basically the team's fourth cornerback behind Trey Waynes behind Chidobe Awuzie and Mike Hilton and uh he had they actually list him as a backup to Mike Hilton as a slot guys but he's basically the fourth corner and he's the first team punt returner. So you look at that and you go, well, how is this guy a breakout player? Well, it's subjective. You got to look at it in certain ways. This is a guy that as a as a starting corner, as a boundary corner, he has been a gambler. He's been a guy that gives you the humongous play and has brought the team back in some games. I can remember the Buffalo game a couple of years ago. Um, and, and I can remember the Cleveland game where he's had a, a massive interception. OBJ got hurt on that, on that play, but he also let up some very, very big completions. He's kind of a gambler at cornerback. Um, but the, the bottom line is he's a big play looking for a place to happen. And I think that even if Trent Taylor makes the team, John, and it becomes a punt returner or the punt returner, what have you, Darius Phillips is going to make this team as a corner as well. I, I think that as a fourth corner, that guy's going to see the field a lot in today's NFL. And I think that this could be an Adam Jones type situation where he may not be the primary punt returner, But he's a guy that can come in once a game, twice a game, pop a big play for you like Adam Jones used to do and flip the field, turn the tide of a game. And in that sense, not a starter, not a pro bowler, whatever, but a contributor on defense where you can mask some of that gambling by putting him down the depth chart a little bit and letting his big play ability take over on special teams. This is going to sound like a weird comparison because the two players that I'm about to say are – not even comparable in terms of size, but Darius Phillips to me is like the odd and take of the defense. A, a guy that I know has a lot of support in the fan base and I think in the building as well, but there's also a a good understanding of who they are as players and where they kind of fit in the, like the nature of wh- wh- whichever side of the ball they play on. With Darius Phillips, I think you described it perfectly. Like the, the guy is he, he's a risk when he's out there at cornerback because you don't know if it's going to be an incredible play on the ball that ends up being an interception or if he's going to get burned by a double move and give up like a 60 yard touchdown. It, it, it's at times it seems like it's only been those two things and you see the talent there, but it's not matched with consistency, which is why you can't have it out on the field for 60 plays a game. But with where he is now with three quality cornerbacks ahead of him on the depth chart, He's going to play eventually this season. Like injuries are going to happen. He's going to get rotated in there. You know, games can go long and he'll just have to, you know, take on some rotational snaps to, to give rest for either Waynes or Hilden or whoever he's filling in for. Like he's going to get in th- into the game. And early on, like in his career, like in 2018, 2019, when he wasn't asked to be a starter, he was making some splash plays in, in limited action. And then that prompted, you know, us to say, what is this guy going to do? with more playing time. And then we kind of saw what happened with more playing time. He didn't really take advantage of it and he kind of got exposed there. So I think there's a firm realization of what he is now 
as that fourth cornerback, that first cornerback off the bench. He can give you a spark potentially in, in coverage, and he, he can give you something that maybe your other cornerbacks don't have in terms of just you know potentially elite ball skills. But the more you leave him out there, the more you you know give him the opportunity to unfortunately be exposed because that's kind of the player that he's been for three years. But entering a contract year, like he's either the player that could you know, garner the interest of another, of another team with some ball production and get a, a nice second contract, or he's a guy that could potentially get a vet minimum because of how much he gets occasionally burned sometimes. But as a pump returner, I, I will be very interested to see if he's out there as the first pump returner against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he only had five in his regular season career in 2018 and 2019. I don't think he returned upon at all in 2020. And I don't know if that was because they needed him at cornerback or they just wanted Alex Erickson back there, but he doesn't have that much experience there. I think you have to go back to his days at Western Michigan when he was doing most of that, but you know, his kick returner role got kind of stolen by Brandon Wilson, who just turned into an all pro at the position. So his value in special teams kind of depreciated because of Wilson's emergence. So I guess if he does make an impact on special teams, it has to be pump returner. But again, that lack of experience compared to Trent Taylor, who I believe has around 49 ish uh, pump returns in his uh, professional careers. So I will be interested to see if the depth chart actually does reflect um, how we see uh, Phillips and Taylor rotate in that role. I, you know, I, I look at the, some of the stats here, the four picks in 2019 kind of really show off things a lot. And obviously he's electric with the ball in his hands. Um, it's just, I, I am more confident. I, I like Darius Phillips and I like him as a defensive back, but I like him as a down the depth chart defensive back. If you are relying on him as a, you know, a number four corner and not covering OBJ on an every snap basis, not covering a uh, Jarvis Landry on an every snap basis, that sort of thing. Um, I think you're a lot more comfortable with, with that role and he can match up well against a team's number three, number four wide receiver in that role potentially get a get a big play create short fields for Joe Burrow which if you want to go harken back to the 05 Bengals that was a big reason for Carson Palmer's success is turnovers creating short fields and and opportunities to get points on a, on a very quick basis there you know I, I like that idea and again I keep going back to the Adam Jones comparison where you bring him in maybe once twice a game you've already got an electric guy on kick returns with Brandon Wilson I, I think if you have Brandon Wilson and then you've got Darius Phillips on a once or twice punt return type of thing um, you know you've you've got some special teams uh, weapons and, and now you've got a new kicker on special teams you got a borderline pro bowler and, and Brandon Wilson on spe- I mean all of a sudden it, it's about flipping the field position and the Bengals for a long time have not been able to do that on a, on a consistent basis. And I don't know, again, I, I don't, you look at this and you go, well, how is that really breaking out as a number four corner and a punt returner? But I, I think for the role there, I, I think that that could be actually sneaky valuable for this team. I think we've listed Phillips as a breakout player at least once before in, in previous years, because that potential has just mostly not nice. already this year. <laughs> no, not, not not this year. I know for a fact, but like I mean, even even last year, I think I think we might have mentioned him or maybe Winston Rose when like Trey Wayne's went out. Like, who is going to step up to be the number two cornerback? Luckily, thankfully, they don't have that problem this year. At you know, and hopefully they they don't at all um, over the course of the next few months. If he just stays where he is on the depth chart, if he plays maybe ten snaps a game, if you give him a couple of return opportunities here and there, 
I think that is exactly the player that that you want. And honestly, as a fifth round pick four years ago, one of the remaining veterans from the Marvin Lewis era, I think I think that's fine. And then the conversation will come. You know, do you retain this guy? Like, do you prioritize him coming back to fill out your depth? Like, cornerback is sneakily going to be an interesting need going forward because, I mean, you have – you still need to see who Trey Waynes is at cornerback. It could be a, a position that they target in the draft, but I think as long as you have Darius Phillips kind of filling out that room, like, you're feeling really, really, really good about your depth there. So, I, I don't know how much he has to do to warrant being a breakout player, but I think right now he's finally found – where he should be for, for who he is. And that may not be what he wants to hear, but I think for just the type of player that he's shown to be over the, over the, his first three years, I think he's in the, in the perfect situation to maximize who he is. Yeah. His, his social media shows he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and, and I guess rightfully so because the Bengals have loaded up big time on defensive back, particularly the last two off seasons. He's made some plays when he's been called upon, but he's also let up some big plays, but I think I think in a I don't want to call it necessarily a reduced role, but maybe a different role for him, I think is is gonna be beneficial, believe it or not, for him and the team. So that's that's a breakout player I thought of this week, especially in light of the depth chart being released. We're gonna get out of here and do some uh, final thoughts with our drop the mic. I did put, just want to remind everybody, one of mine is that uh, if you can donate, please do. Even if it's in the amount of $13 for Ken Riley's jersey number, Ken Anderson's jersey number 14, 15 bucks for seven plus eight. If you want to go as high as 78, you can do that. But uh, every little bit counts going towards the Munoz Foundation, the Ken Anderson Alliance, and of course, the... Uh, Ken Riley Foundation. So uh, we've got quite a bit of money we're going to be divvying out to them. Thank you for everybody's generosity that has donated. We've got prizes. If you do donate, make sure that you get us your contact information as well. John, I, the one thing I, I know, if you've got some other final thoughts, I want to hear those as well. But one thing I just want to kind of leave with is what are you looking for this weekend as the Bengals take the field against the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I guess the one thing I'm really going to be looking at, quite honestly, as weird as it sounds, a lot of special teams talk tonight. Uh, McPherson, the kicker. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see I want to see how he performs. Uh, I, I don't know what the weather is going to be like at this point. You know, it could be very hot, humid, p- potentially rainy. Um, so, the, so you know, there may be some elements he has to deal with. And as a kicker in the AFC North, we know that that is – basically an every week thing, um, <laughs> whether it's at home or, or away, that's something that a Bengals kicker has to deal with. That's a guy I'm going to be looking at. I don't know if you've got some specific things that you're looking at this weekend, but that's where my eyes will be. Well, if you're going to play the best team in the NFL with virtually no weaknesses on the roster, you either want to play them at week one or week four of the preseason. So the Bengals kind of got off lucky here. They're going to be defending their Lombardi. I'm sure they're going to have whatever they have. They come back to that stadium um i guess really just no no injuries really i yeah. I, I don't see that offensive line handling and dominican sue and vita van and jason pierre paul necessarily well so good luck to brandon allen try to work through that it's going to be tough I, I think for the offense to do really anything and i don't think that mixon and higgins and boyd are going to play that much i'm i guess i'm interested to see how much Jamar chase plays um, being a rookie, even though he's a starter, he needs some of those reps. How early does Jackson Carmen come into the game? Is he really a third string right guard right now? I guess that's mainly what I'm looking for. I, I don't know how much we're going to, I guess, gauge from how the defense is playing against. I, I don't know for sure if Brady's going to play, and I doubt he's going to play it much at all if he does. 
I think it's going to be mainly Kyle Trask and whoever else they have down there. So it's, I guess it's too early to see how much progress this defense has supposedly made, but I guess really it's just how, how much is some of these young guys going to play and, and when they're going to enter the game. Yeah. No injuries is always a key in the preseason. And by the way, thank you to Stuart Monty. Once again, Sean Donovan and Evan Vega. We are now up to $1,340, John, for our, for our fundraiser. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we made a nice little jump there. We're going to leave it open for a couple more days. We will be bringing you listener questions live on Friday afternoon to kick off the Bengals preseason week one. So John and I will be back at it answering your questions. Get those to us. We look forward to seeing you and kicking off your preseason weekend off right. We had another question about if we're going to be back with post-game video reactions, that sort of thing. Yes, I plan on doing that. So, um, John, you're always welcome to join me if you would like as well. But I, I plan on doing a little bit of writing uh, as well as coming on the, the the program as well to talk about what happened. So I know you'll be busy with the website as well, John, and uh, hopefully it's, it's a good weekend there. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just – I'm looking forward to it. We didn't get this – even it's pre, even though it's ugly preseason football, we didn't have this last year. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we need to get back into the swing of things. Remembering <laughs> how to cover games again. Um, it's been it's been a while, and honestly, I, I guess if this is my mic drop, you know, just again, thank you to everyone who's donated. I think we're up to like 32 total donations for, as Anthony said, over 1,300 dollars. That's really the the main thing that I wanted to end with. And also, like, yeah, just thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting the show. And honestly, again, I think we say this a lot, but, you know, it, now that we're entering, you know, game mode and game previews and stuff, if there's anything that you want from us in terms of content, of game previews, game recaps and stuff like that, definitely let us know. We always want to have the show evolve in the correct way and keep you guys interested and keep you guys kind of engaged with this. So if there's anything you kind of want to see from us, you know, in the preseason and the regular season in terms of how we handle coverage, definitely let us know because we're, we're this is the preseason for us and, you know, we always wing it around here. So yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. So get the show how you can on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, megaphone, any of those leave a rating. If you would, hopefully a good one, whether it's for our show, uh, orange is the new black with Ace and Zim or Matt Minnick's chalk talk. You can get all of those on your favorite audio streamer. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's a little icon underneath John's Bengal logo on his shirt there. Click on that and uh, subscribe so you can be notified when we go live. You've got to click that bell too. So you get notified as to when new content's available, when we go live and you can join us for that. And we definitely appreciate all of the support. I do want to make a little note on YouTube. Some folks stumble onto our YouTube page. For some reason, there's a little YouTube error. The home button doesn't have all of our videos listed. For some reason, you got to click on the actual video button and you can see the catalog of all of our videos and obviously different playlists and stuff like that. We're working with YouTube to kind of figure out what's going on there. But just a little FYI for everybody if you are a YouTube watcher. But at any rate, John, thanks for coordinating the interview with Ben Baby, my friend. Um, looking forward to going through Bengals preseason week one with you this weekend. Yep. We'll talk to you then. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Have a great rest of the week, and we will be seeing you on Friday for Listener Questions Live. Take it easy.